everybody for another episode Week number five, episode number five of Scriptures Revealed, and we are continuing our journey in the book of Ephesians and allowing God to walk us through the scriptures and walk us through the delight and the pleasures and the riches that are invested in this book. I, again, am so excited about this book. I'm so excited about what we are learning. I hope all of you are learning something. All of you are gaining insight. All of you are 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 just progressing along this journey. I want to give you a heads up about a uh, something that I'm going to have coming out within the next couple of weeks. Just to let you know that uh, last week we started a three-part series on kingdom naturalization. And we're talking about how the book of Ephesians uh, is, is showing us in this first uh, chapter what made us citizens of the nation of Jesus Christ. That Christianity is not just another religion. It's not about joining another faith, but it is about becoming a citizen of a new nation. And it's about becoming a part of a new race. And so in light of that, we are learning uh, how we became natural naturalized to this new kingdom. And last week, we talked about what the Father did to naturalize us. This week, we're going to talk about what the Son did to naturalize us. And then next week, we're going to conclude the series with learning the work of the Holy Spirit and naturalizing us into the nation of Jesus Christ. Now, granted, these segments are roughly about 30 minutes every week, and I'm trying to get out a lot of information in that segment, and yet, at the same time, keep us moving along in the book and not drag it out. But there's just tons of of revelation, information, insight, wisdom that is invested in these verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And there's so much more of it that I realize that even though I'm breaking this up into three parts, I'm only giving you about 50% of all of the insight I have gained, all of the gems I've uh, found in these verses, all of the revelation I've gained out of these verses uh, by condensing it into 30-minute segments. Granted, each part is probably about a good hour of stuff. Uh, so, uh, really, I have like three hours of teaching on kingdom naturalization that I'm trying to condense and over the three weeks and an hour and a half. But what I am going to do is I'm going to make available the fullness of these teachings, part one, two, and three, and I'm going to give make that available to you. I'm also going to give you my notes that pertains to these verses. I'm going to give you some PowerPoint slides that, that gives you some visuals and graphics to go along with uh, walking this kingdom naturalization process out. So uh, stay tuned to that. That's going to be coming out very soon within the next uh, two to three weeks. I'm going to have that release available for you. So even if you've heard uh, all three parts eventually of this series on the podcast, you are going to want to get that series, Kingdom Naturalization, from my website, rickywatsonjr.com, because it's going to be a wealth of more revelation, insight, and information that you will want to go on, you will want, you will want, excuse me, to have in your possession. It's going to bless you tremendously. So stay on the lookout for that, because uh, I'm excited about it. And I want to make sure that you all have all of this information. Now, we're going to jump right on into our scriptures this week um, because I have a lot to just release on you guys in this uh, time frame that we have allotted um, because Jesus Christ has done a lot to naturalize us into his nation. Uh, but so, uh, just pre- give you a brief overview of what we did cover last week. Again, last week we started our three-part series on kingdom naturalization and we learned that uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14 in the Greek language is really one big long sentence isn't that amazing yes that's very insightful 
three through fourteen is not uh, uh, all of those multiple verses as as you read it. What it is is just one long, beautifully written sentence in the Greek language. Uh, and what Paul is unveiling to us is that he is an apostle of the nation of Jesus Christ. And that we have become citizens of that nation. Now, the the fact is that when you were born, you were born not a part of this nation, not a part of the nation of Jesus Christ. You was born in whatever nation you were born into and whatever bloodline you were born into and whatever family you were born into. That's how you were. That's where you were born. How you were born uh, is how you were born. A lot of people like to this is this is going to be free. I'm just going to throw this out here and I'll let the Pharisees and Sadducees fight over this point. But I'm going to throw it out here anyway. We have spent entirely too much time in the body of Christ trying to decide whether or not somebody can be born a certain way, can be born this way. They're not born that way, they, but they can be born this way, but they can't be born that. All of that, I think we spent entirely too much time on that when the Bible clearly says that we were all born and shaped in iniquity, that we were all born sinners, that we were born at war and in enmity. Uh, against God. We were born at war against God. And so I, I'm, I think it's a waste of time to spend our time arguing over whether or not you can be born a way that's in uh, hatred against God, that's in opposition against God. So I'm not here to argue if you can be born an alcoholic or be born a homosexual or be born uh, uh, addicted to whatever. I'm, I'm not, because I think that's uh, irrelevant to the case, because I don't care how you were born. The beauty of the gospel is not about how you were born but it's the the revelation that you can be born again. So I don't care if you were born uh, with alcoholism in your bloodline and you were born with a leaning that way. You can be born again. I don't care if you think you were born uh, a homosexual, born a lesbian, or born with certain sexual uh, proclivities. It doesn't matter. The beauty of the gospel is that you can be born again. And no man, no woman is born again or born from above with anything in them that opposes God. So I think that will settle that entire argument. Let the saints have they were born this way. Let the world have they were born this way. That's fine. That just makes our gospel more attractive, more marvelous, more glorious, more magnificent, more powerful, more transformational. Is the fact that you can be born one way and born again another. And that is the power of our gospel to change and transform. Anyway, that was free. So you're born again, and you're born born from above, and you're born into another kingdom. Now, what that process in the natural is called naturalization. If you were not born in the uh, United States, uh, you are an immigrant of the nation, and you are trying to become a citizen, you go through a process called naturalization. It's how you become a citizen of that particular nation. The kingdom has a naturalization process. And last week, um, we learned or uh, uncovered in these verses, Verses that the Trinity, the Godhead, all plays a part in making you a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You know, we don't have to just go by, you know, I know I'm saved because I went down to that altar and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, that that's good. And that is how you begin that process. But your credentials in heaven, your, your citizenship papers in the archives of heaven are not just that you went to the altar. The Godhead has to put their stamp on the fact whether or not you are a citizen of their nation. 
And Paul, the Apostle Paul, shows us because he is an apostle, and we're going to learn the power of that as we keep going through this book. But because he is an apostle, he unfolds for us in these verses how the Godhead puts their stamp of approval on your citizenship, how they know you belong in the nation of Jesus Christ. So last week, um, we learned that the Father's job in that process was, number one, he chose you, he predestined you. And he accepted you in the beloved. So he chose, predestined, and accepted. That's the father's job in the naturalization process. I don't have time to walk through all of that again. You can listen to last week's episode to gain insight on that. And again, when this series comes out in the next couple of weeks, you're going to get a lot more insight about that. But we talked about that last week. This week, we're going to cover what Jesus Christ the Son the king of the, of the nation, what he has done to naturalize you into his kingdom. All right, so we're going to pick up with verse 3. We're not going to study those again. We're, the verses we're actually going to study this week are verses 7 through 12. 7 through 12. So we're going to hit a lot today. But let's start at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I love that in the heavenly places means he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, not just in the heavenly places or not just in the nation of Jesus Christ, but among the other, other citizens of that nation, among the angels. The angels are citizens of that nation. So we are we are part of this of, of the civilization of the nation of Jesus Christ, in other words. Go back and listen to that uh, in the episode 3, I, I believe it is, on the nation of Jesus Christ. So moving on, verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us or accepted us in the beloved. Verse 7, this is where we're going to do the work. In him... Who is in him? In Christ. Now, we, we found out a couple of weeks ago that whenever you see in Christ, whenever you see in him, whenever you see in whom, uh, for years and years and years, people have taught it about what it means to be in Christ and our identity in Christ and that we are in union with Christ. But it's, it's very hard to wrap our mind around spiritual things if, if we are spiritually dull. Because even once we're born again, we are renewing our minds. And, and, and that process takes time in order for us to grab a hold of the things of the, of the Spirit, which is why Jesus taught people in parables. Because he knew if I'm going to take a people and transition them into kingdom thinking, into kingdom living, into kingdom behavior, into kingdom culture. I've got to use what they are familiar with to communicate things that they are unfamiliar with. And, and so in order for us to understand the terminology in him, in whom, in Christ, is it, it helps us to understand it when we talk about putting in the nation of Jesus Christ, because that's what we are part of in the nation. So we're not sit, we're we're in Christ, but we're not physically sitting on the inside of him. We are in the nation of Jesus Christ. So so look at this verse in him or in the nation of Jesus Christ. We have redemption through his blood. Now, I love that. I love that. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Here we learn. Number one, what does Jesus do to naturalize us into his kingdom? He redeems us. 
he redeems us. You know, that word redeem, it means he has bought our deliverance with a price. He has bought our deliverance with a price. Now, I'm going to show you something tremendous about redemption in a minute that you probably haven't seen before, but it's going to excite you. So watch this. It says, in him or in the nation of Jesus Christ, we have been redeemed. We have been redeemed through his blood. We have been redeemed through his blood. The beauty of this is that Jesus said, I know that you all are citizens of my nation because I redeemed you. I paid for you. I paid for your deliverance. Now, the the thing about that is that you then have to think about redemption has to do with paying a price, has to do with paying a ransom. I want to know. That if redemption is paying a ransom price, and if redemption is buying back something so that it is now in your possession, who did Jesus pay the price to? Who did Jesus pay that price to? We go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and and and, and I want to tell you this. God wasn't paying. Listen to me carefully. God did not come and die on the cross to pay Satan for your possession to own you to have the rights to you again yeah you were a captive and you and then paul shows us in romans that you were once a slave to sin but redemption didn't happen so that god could pay satan off to have you i'm going to show you through the scriptures that god didn't come and pay satan what god had to do the reason why you were in captivity was not because you had wronged satan but our bloodline had wronged god Mankind had wronged God. God had been violated. God had been disobeyed. And because we were in Adam, we were citizens in Adam. We resided in Adam. If you look over in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, uh, you get a little bit more insight about that, about being in Adam, because uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews talks about how when Abraham paid tithes, that Levi also paid tithes, and because Levi resided in Abraham. So what you do is not just about you. It's about who's residing in you. That's a whole other lesson. So what Adam did was not about just Adam, but because Adam was the head of the human race, that what Adam did, I also did. I can talk about me if that helps you feel better. What Adam did, when Adam disobeyed God, I disobeyed God because I was in Adam, which is why God has to put me in Christ because everything Adam did became accredited to me because I resided in him. That's why when I am changed over and I become a part of the nation of Jesus Christ and I am in Christ, everything Christ did, I'll now get accredited to my account. So because Christ was righteous, I am the righteousness of God. Because Christ is holy, I am holy. And the more I believe that, the more I live it. The more I live it. See? That's why uh, righteousness and holiness is so important. And it's important for you to understand that you've been made the righteousness of God and you've been called to holiness. Say that to you again. You have been made the righteousness of God and you have been called to holiness. You can't make yourself righteous. Gee, that's why Jesus came to make you righteous. What you can do is respond to the call to holiness. And what is holiness? Holiness is how you live because you're righteous. 
<laughs> so I can't get more right. I'm not going to be. Once you are a citizen of the nation of Jesus Christ, once you are born again, once you are born from above, you can't be more righteous than you are. But you can grow in holiness. And you grow in holiness the more you believe you're righteous. Do you get that? Because righteousness is, is a nature. Righteousness is who you are. Righteousness is that you have been created in the image of God. That's righteousness. You have been given. You, you, you need to be righteous in order to respond to holiness. And the reason why people can't live holy is because they are either are not righteous or they don't believe they're righteous. All right? So that's free. That's free for that. But watch this. But God redeemed mankind but the the reason who he paid the price to was not satan he paid it to god i'm going to show you that in uh hebrews chapter nine i believe it is go over here you hear my pages turning so you can just turn with me because i want you to see this i want you to see this it is hebrews chapter nine Yep, it is. Okay, Hebrews chapter 9. And it is, excuse me, I'm trying to look look to, through this. Now let's start at uh, verse 11. It says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and cows, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, Offered himself without blemish. Who did he offer himself to? God. Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That means when Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed, his blood wasn't shed and put on the altar on the earth. His blood wasn't shed and taken into the uh, uh, the mercy seat and the te- temple or tabernacle on the earth. Where his blood was taken was to the altar in the tabernacle of heaven. And it was presented to God. He, Jesus, took his blood to God. Jesus' blood was the ransom for you. His blood was the ransom for you. And it was his blood on the altar of God that said, God, they now belong to you. They now belong to you. Now, let me show you something else about redemption. And then we got to keep moving on uh, so that I don't do not run out of time. So uh, I want to show you something else about redemption. Uh, let's see here. So keep that in mind. We're going over to the book of Exodus. I'm going to show you something about redemption that you probably have not seen before, but it is sure going to bless you. Yep. Exodus chapter eight. And we're going to look at verse 23. But I want you to pay attention to this story, that this is the story of Moses being commissioned to be a deliverer for the people of Israel. And we're going through the 10 plagues. And watch this word that Moses uses 
when he is talking to Pharaoh about the plague of the flies uh, that that he is saying is going to come upon the land because Pharaoh refuses to let the people go. He refuses to set the people free. He refuses to obey. The thing about God is that if you let him, he will aggravate the thing that is aggravating you until it chooses, until it has no choice but to let you go free. You know, we ought to let God fight our battles more often because he has a way of dealing with our enemies in a uh, way better than we possibly ever could. So that's what God is doing here. But I want you to pay attention to verse 23. It says, thus, I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this sign shall happen. Now, I want you to pay attention to the word division, because that's what the King James says. That's what the English Standard Version says. That's what many of your translations says. But if you have a good reference Bible, there's probably a letter next to that word division, and it gives you the actual Hebrew word. The actual Hebrew word for that word division there is redemption is redemption. So this is what it really says is that thus I will put a redemption between my people and your people. Watch this. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. There are numerous things in this that I'm not going to be able to walk all the way through it in my allotted time. But I want to throw a, a good chunk of it out there at you. And that here is here we know is that redemption is a sign to your enemy. It's a sign to the unbeliever. Redemption was meant to be a sign. We talk about miracles. We talk about signs. We talk about wonders. But one of the most beautiful signs there is in the kingdom of God is the power and the beauty of redemption. And watch this. And what redemption does is it divides you from those who do not belong to God and those who do. Are you starting to see why redemption is a part of the natural? process of the kingdom of, of Jesus Christ. You seen that? It puts a division. I will put a division between your people and my people. I'm going to put a redemption there, which means redemption is how God marks you as his own. It is a sign to the unbeliever. I am a sign. I am a sign to the unbeliever that I am the possession of the Lord. God has bought me. He has purchased me. Jesus Christ has redeemed me. So therefore, I'm different than the world. I'm not going to get the curses of the world. I'm not going to get the judgment of the world because there has been a division. There has been a redemption upon my life. I don't care what's going on in my bloodline. I have been redeemed. I don't care what's been attached to my last name. I have been redeemed, which means... There's a division between me and my last name. There's a division between me and what runs in my family. There's a division between me and what I should have died from. There's a division between me and what should have overcame me. With other people that went and had mental breakdown. There is a division now between me and mental breakdowns. There's a division. That's the power of redemption. The power of redemption is the power to put a division between you and the things of the world. To put a division between you and the things that should be overtaking you, should be overcoming you, which is why it's an oxymoron for for, uh, for you to say a defeated Christian, for you to say uh, a Christian that's not a uh, conquering and overcoming the very fact that you are redeemed has put a division in your life between you and the thing that's not like God. 
You were destined, you were born to conquer because you have been redeemed. That that's that's exciting. So watch this. We gotta keep moving. Redemption through his blood, back in Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Which means according to the riches of God's grace, we have been released from any debts that we've ever, ever have, any uh, debts we have in the kingdom of God, any crime we've ever committed in the kingdom of God, there is forgiveness. There is release from the penalty of our sins because of how rich he is in grace. And watch this, according to the riches of his grace. Which he lavished upon us. Now, the interesting thing about upon us is really what this says in the Greek is which he lavished into us. So watch this. The riches of his grace. Not only is the uh, because of his grace are we forgiving, are we forgiven, but because of his grace, he's the grace of God that he has lavished into us. Watch this. In all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ which he set watch what is what is Paul saying here Paul is saying he is so rich in grace that he is so infused us with grace so infused us with grace that what he's done is given us wisdom and prudence now what wisdom and prudence is wisdom is simply this wisdom is the skill is, is a skill number one wisdom is a skill number two wisdom is always 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 pertains to war you do not need wisdom if you're not in a battle because everything about life is a war and a battle everything about life is a war move you're even either making a war move for the kingdom of god or a war move for the kingdom of darkness that's an entirely different lesson but wisdom is a skill wisdom is a number two it's a war skill but watch this wisdom is using intelligence to gain clarity using intelligence to gain it's the use it's the ability to use intelligence for clarity's sake and what is prudence? Prudence is based on insight. You now have foresight. All right, I'm going to put it all together for you. So wisdom is the art or the skill of using intelligence to gain clarity. To gain clarity. Prudence is insight that because you have insight, you is insight that produces foresight. Insight that produces foresight. Going through it again, and then I'm going to pull it all together for you. Wisdom is the skill to use intelligence to gain clarity. Prudence is insight that produces foresight. What? And then he ties it to making known to us the mystery of his will. So watch this. The mystery of his will. It is the will of God that gives us the wisdom. It is the will of God that gives us the intelligence we need to find clarity. And how do we get, how do we gain insight to the will of God, the grace of God? You said it, according to the riches of his grace. Remember, this is all one big long sentence. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished into us. And when grace gets infused into our life, all of a sudden, the will of God is made known to us. And when the will of God is made known to us, we then have the intelligence necessary to gain clarity. And when we have that clear intelligence and that level of clarity, we now have insight that's going to produce foresight. So I know what to do. 
I know what's coming. I know how to adjust. I know how to maneuver because I know the will of the Lord. And the only reason I know the will of the Lord is because the grace of God has been lavished into me. And why has the grace of God been lavished into me? It's been lavished into me because I have been redeemed. <laughs> Do you see the beauty of that? Beauty of that? I mean, it's just awesome. Now, let's keep going. Which, according to his purpose, which you set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Number one, what Christ did to naturalize us to the kingdom is he redeemed us. Number two is he gathered us all together. He gathered us. He gathered us. How does he know that we are citizens of his nation? Is because he is the one that not only redeemed us, he gathered all of us together in his nation. He gathered us up. That The beauty of that is that the Bible says that Jesus out of his own mouth says, says that no man, that all whom the Father has given me, that no man will be able to pluck him out of my hand. I, I have security in Christ because he is the one that has gathered me and he has gathered me all all things on the earth, all things in heaven. We are all one big family. Later on in, in chapter 3, we learn that the family of God is in on earth and it is in heaven. It's not just about those that are that are alive and those that are dead and gone on to, to heaven. But we're talking about everybody. Everybody on earth and heaven that God's family is so broad because it was included in the family of God. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the archangels, the seraphim, the cherubim, the, the uh, ministering spirits, the flames of fire, uh, the warring angels, the, the the all of the citizens of that nation. We are all been gathered together. Jesus knows who belongs in his kingdom because he's the one that gathered us. That's so amazing. He's the one that gathered us. Watch this. And look at verse 11. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Number one, how do we know what has the son done to naturalize us to the kingdom? Number one, he redeemed us. Number two, he gathered us. And number three, verse 11 says we are he in him or in the nation we have obtained an inheritance. What that actually says is that in him we have been made an inheritance. We are the inheritance of of the father. Now another word for inheritance is heritage. That we are we have been made the heritage of the Lord. Over in Psalms you learn that children are a gift from God. They are of the heritage of the Lord. You should look at what God says about children because what he says about children is a reflection of his world, of his nation, of his civilization. We are how did Jesus naturalize you into his nation? He redeemed you. He put a division in your life between you and those that did not belong to him. Between you and the things that tried to overcome and overtake you. That's what he did. He redeemed you. He gathered you himself. You are, you reside in the hand of God. Do you get that? You are in the hand and you should study the scriptures and learn about the hand of God, what the hand of God accomplished, the power of the hand of God. Look at those scriptures because everything about, and you reside in his hand. He gathered you. Number two, he gathered you. And number three, he made you a part of the heritage of the Lord. You are indeed not just a citizen in the kingdom. You've been made a member of the royal family of that kingdom. Isn't that amazing? 
That is amazing. This is what the Godhead has done to naturalize you into the kingdom, into the nation of Jesus Christ. Well, guys, again, we are out of time, out of time again. This this book is so exciting. It is so exciting and full of life and revelation and information. I want you to keep in the forefront of your mind again that the whole intent of Paul in this book is to cause us to fall more in love with God, to fall more in love with Jesus, because the more in love you are with him, the more surrendered you're going to live. So again, by the time we get to the end of this book, you're love or walk with him is going to be on a different level but so is your level of commitment and surrender to his will and that is his intent so we are learning we are going through this journey about net kingdom naturalization being made a part of the citizens of that nation of jesus christ and now we learn not only are we citizens but we are members of the royal family join me next week as we conclude this part and we talk about what the holy spirit has done to make us citizens of the nation of Jesus Christ. You are not going to want to miss it, and you are want to going to be here and to learn what the Holy Spirit has done, is doing in your life to guarantee your citizenship in Jesus' nation. Don't forget, join me next week, same time, same place. Go for it. Let your love for God increase so that your life can become fully committed fully surrendered, and totally just laid down for your king, your father, your elder brother, and your helper. I'll see you all next week. Love y'all.